I can't even Toby Mac my kids to sleep. Hey, 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 welcome to Fun Sexy Bible Time. Thank you for being with us. Uh, as always, I don't recommend that anyone actually listens to the podcast, but you are here, you're with us, and I love you for it. Coming to us from North Carolina, our co-host today, you can find her at the Lazy Genius Collective, you can find her on Twitter at Hi, it's Kendra, one of my favorite Kendras. Kendra Adachi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. That is, I never thought about that. There, it's impossible for me to be your favorite Kendra. It's, because you're, you have wife, Kendra. I'm most wife. people's favorite, Kendra, by default. <laughs> so this is really refreshing, actually. So should we go on another? Should I? Should we go on another rant about the playmate, Kendra? No, no, no. If I told you that playmate Kendra was my second favorite, Kendra, would you just walk off the podcast right now? Mm, I'm trying <laughs> to figure out if I punch my microphone. Will the vibrations travel across states to your face? Playmate Kendra, the bane of Ken, of normal Kendras everywhere. Normal Kendras cannot do Playmate Kendra. Nope. Nope. <laughs> um, okay, this is a very important podcast. I've been looking forward to this. We have been trying to get this together for literally months, and I have fought the temptation to do this topic with a different guest because I knew that I had to do it with you. Wait a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You actually thought about doing this with someone else? Well, in the same sense that, you know, like you have doubts about Christianity every once in a while, but it's not <laughs> going to, you know, just because you have a doubt doesn't mean you're going to like throw away your faith in the Lord. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad because I'm I'm just going to say if you had, if I had just like, you know, my, my podcast app downloaded the next episode of Fun Sexy Bible Time and it said subject, Cool Runnings, and my name was not next to it. That is a bigger insult than Playmate Kendra being your second favorite Kendra. What if I had done the cool runnings with Playmate Kendra as the guest? The world would burn (laughs) to the ground, to the core. Uh, Difficulties compounded by the fact that you have three small children. I have two small children and a pregnant Kendra. Is your Kendra pregnant? That's so fun. Congratulations. Thank you. It is. It, she is. My Kendra is pregnant. She's pregnant, Kendra. And then a hurricane tried to stop us. Church work day tried to stop us. But here we are. Here we are. We're going to do an entire podcast about the movie Cool Runnings. Um, but first of all, I got to do a shout out. Um, let's do a couple of shout outs. Shout out to Perk City, one of our loyal listeners. Um, shout out to Andy Brandt. Andy Brandt wrote in and asked if he could get his own Fun Sexy Bible Time nickname. Um, much the same. We had a listener, Jonathan Simino. We nicknamed him Simonasty. <laughs> That's good. So, uh, Andy Brandt needs a nickname. Uh, Kendra, you were thinking about this before we got started. Um, why don't you give yours first and then I'll, then I'll explain mine. I think that, that, uh, Rhyming is really my only way of approaching nicknames. And so I went into for Andy Brandt, it was Candy Ant. Okay. Um, because we all have, you know, the the old aunt who smells suspect and gives us old peppermints from her purse. You know, you with the rhyming, it's like, you know, you, you dated Toby Mac for one summer and now you think you're a rapper. <laughs> 
Every time you're on, you're trying to drop freestyles on us. Andy Brandt, let's see. Okay, we had a discussion about this, if the nickname would be Andimal or Branimal. And I think we're going to go with the Branimal. Ooh, can you add the the? You didn't say that before. I didn't say that before, did I? The Branimal. That's it. That's the winner. The Branimal. Andy Brandt, get back with us. Let us know. Let us know if that works, if that's if you've tried that nickname already. If that's not satisfactory, we will come back with a better nickname. So now we have Perk City, Simonasty, and the Branimal as our as our loyal Fun Sexy Bible Time listeners. All right. Kendra, thank you for being with me today. I know this is a big day for uh, North Carolina. Got some some big football games in the state. Um I know you have to wrap this up so you can get back to the college football. If college football equals babies. <laughs> I wish that college football actually meant college football. Sadly, it does not in my life. It means bologna sandwiches and screaming people when they I make them try to go to sleep. But that's okay. You can't, like, wrap them to sleep? I've tried. <laughs> I Actually, this is a true story. Last night... So my husband is the one who usually puts my older two to bed. I'm on baby duty. Mm-hmm. Well, baby was asleep early. And so I got to put my oldest, who is in first grade, I got to put him to bed. Well, I didn't know this, but usually my husband makes up a song, like a good night song every mm-hmm. night for my first grader. Well, it was my job last night. He said, can you sing me a song uh, about me and Marshall? Marshall is his stuffed dog he sleeps with. Mm-hmm. So on the fly. Wait, time out. Is that from Paw Patrol? He, it's a Dalmatian. It's like a random Dalmatian, but okay. yes, he named it Marshall because of Marshall from Paw Patrol. Nice. So right. he said, make up a song about me and Marshall. Okay. Despite your jokes, I am not Toby Mac. I am not even like Toby Mac is better than me. And that's saying something. So I made up the song. Kid cried for an hour because he was so disappointed with it. I am not joking. You couldn't have I'm just, not joking. You could have just sang Jesus Freak to him. I could have. I could have, but whatever I chose to do, he was so unhappy with it. So I can't even Toby Mac my kids to sleep. It's it's backfire. Hey, it's going to be okay, though, because some people, you know, they can't believe. (laughs) But Jamaica, we got a bobsled team. We got a bobsled team. Oh, my goodness. I mean, why would you, I mean, if this is why you have a podcast to do an entire episode on cool runnings. Oh, if you're, if you're a young person, we do have some young people listen to this who probably are really confused right now. Cool runnings. One of the greatest movies of the nineties. Um, brief, brief synopsis. Jamaica has a bobsled team. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bobsled team in the winter Olympics based loosely on a true story. So here we are. Here we are. One of the, you know, you, it's really it's really one of the great underrated movies, is it not? I totally agree. Because you've got that you you've got that that pantheon of like really fun, kind of like easygoing '90s movies like The Sandlot, uh, Cool Runnings, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, um, and Sandlot is up there with any of them. I mean, not Sandlot, Cool Runnings is up there with any of them. It is. It absolutely is. It's one of those movies where you can kind of catch it on cable. Like, at, at any point of the movie, you can just jump in and be good. It's like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. It is it is surprisingly delightful. So I didn't get to actually watch the entire movie because we couldn't find it without, mm-hmm. you know, it being like a really bad um, bootleg or something mm-hmm. where you couldn't actually see the picture. And so um, 
we the only thing I could really see for real was the trailer was the original theatrical trailer. Mm-hmm. Actual tears, laughter, <laughs> tears, and I was like, I want to watch this movie so bad. I want to watch this movie so bad. It's so good. Yeah, one of the, um, I mean, there's so many different places to start, so I'm just going to jump in. Um, one of, like, the the weird things about Cool Runnings, um, actually two weird things, is that, A, there's almost no female characters in the movie. Correct. Which is, which is weird for, like, a major Hollywood film, because usually, like, if all the main characters are male or female, like, they'll shoehorn somebody else, they'll shoehorn the other gender in there. Right. It's like a Hollywood thing, like where they like they want everyone in the audience to have like someone on the screen that they can identify with. Right. Um, right. But it's weird, like there's there's just really not any major female characters in the show. And that there aren't any like even remotely any love stories. Like at all. Like the closest thing you get to I mean, the main guy on the team, Darice, he has a girlfriend. Like we see her in the first thirty seconds of the movie. Uh Uh-huh. But other than that, the only thing that, like, closely resembles some sort of, like, you know, sexual tension Mm -hmm. is when the women in Jamaica are watching Darice run by and they comment on his butt. That's it. That's the closest it comes. And, again, the the opening credits are rolling when this happens. Like, it doesn't happen in the actual storytelling of the movie. So it really is odd. I'm going to throw something at you. Do you remember in the uh, when the bar fight scene once they're already at the Olympics? Yes. And they're in the country western bar, and yeah. Sanka is dancing with a blonde cowgirl. That's right. And he is wearing her hat, and she is wearing his hat. Right. Were they trying to tell us something there? I, um, I think you might be reading into that one a little much, because really, the point of that whole, whole scene was Junior coming into his own. So mm-hmm. I think it was just kind of like, let's just put, I mean, you, you know, you always want to have like a blonde girl and like a, a knit Jamaican hat. Like that's fine. You, they can do that in the background, but really the crux of that whole thing. And I, I will posit to you, Matthew, mm-hmm. that junior is the soul of this movie. <laughs> he is the soul of this movie. And that bar scene was when he decided to finally assert himself, um, and who cares about what Sanka is doing? Like, he's going to go and try to beat up a guy who's, you know, bigger than him. But he was a big German guy, right? Wasn't he a German guy? I think there was, uh, I can't remember, the the main, the quasi-villains were either East Germans or uh, the Swiss. They weren't the Swiss, because it was East Germany, because or okay. East, yes, it was the Germans, because the Swiss were just quiet and counting. Like, that's okay. all they did, is they just, like, moved in, like, neutral ninjas, and then did their bobsled, and then they left. And the Germans were the ones who were, like, they won the 1984 gold, apparently. Okay. And so they were, like, you know, possible favorites against the Swiss. Neutral ninjas, one of my favorite indie bands, by the way. <laughs> So do you, would you agree or disagree that Junior is the soul? If you don't think Junior is the soul, who is the soul of this movie? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if the movie has a single soul. Um, I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I mean, he's definitely an important part of it. But that's kind of like saying, you know, who is the main character? Is the main character Darice? I think the main character is the bobsled. <laughs> <clears throat> Because I mean, it goes through it. Ha, I mean, think about it. It has a makeover story. You know, it's like, I mean, they do like a, um, 
what's the chick uh, Eliza Doolittle? Like it goes through like a, you know, it's this old beat up sled, and then it gets like painted, and you know, I mean, it's like a, it's like a makeup thing. Lady reference. It's my fair lady. I couldn't think of the name. I'm so embarrassed mm. that I couldn't think of the name of that. But the fact that I remember that her name was Eliza Doolittle is something, I guess. But yeah. yes, they my fair lady, the bobsled. You're I mean, maybe the maybe the bobsled is the name. Fun, sexy Bible time, talking about cool runnings, and you just dropped a my fair lady reference. How I roll, so, man. That is so impressive. I'm so impressed right now. Okay, <sighs> couldn't you make the case that Senka is the movie's most important character, though? You could make the argument. Make it for me. Okay, here's my case for Senka. He steals every single scene he is in. 100%. When when all, when all the entire team is on the screen, you're watching Senka. Like, you're right. watching Senka anytime he is on the screen to see what he's going to do. Every- well, they also gave him all the funny lines. I don't remember any other characters having actual funny lines. They my gave gosh. all the zingers to Sanka, but they were all so good and, and delivered perfectly. And he nailed every single every one. Single one. <laughs> every single one. Even the ones that you knew were coming. Like even the <laughs> even the slow pitches, he still did it in a way that you're like, oh my word, this guy is hilarious. P.S. Do you know who they originally wanted to cast as Sanka? Oh, I do not. Blow my mind. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> oh, that would have been horrible. And you know who they originally wanted to cast is Darice, the main, like, driven driver guy? Probably Denzel. Exactly, Denzel. Okay. Could you imagine Senka as Dave Chappelle? Uh, I actually could a little bit. Yeah. I think, but see, the thing about Senka that I really, I really love, other than the fact that he delivers the zingers perfectly every single time, is there's still something incredibly wholesome about him. He's yes. still, like, this light, he has this light from within, where I feel like if Dave Chappelle played it... <laughs> I mean, dark. you'd expect him to be high a little bit most of the time. I don't think the character would have the same. I would. I mean, I love Dave Chappelle, but I don't think the character would have the same like roundness and no. light coming from it as it yeah. did with Doug E. Doug. <laughs> yes, yes. You got Doug E. Doug, and then the guy who played Derice went simply by the name Leon. Leon. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he can't pull that off. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Okay, Senka, like, if you were, like, 12 years old, as I was when that movie came out, Senka was the funniest thing you had ever seen. Ever, ever seen. The closest that I think I had come to laughing at Senka was, um, like, Lumiere, the candlestick in Beauty and the Beast. Okay, see, mine was... That's a far jump. Mine was Jim Carrey. Like, I'm a little ashamed to admit that, but I thought, like... Early 90s Jim Carrey was like the funniest human on the face of the earth. And you're a dude, so that makes sense. I thought he was stupid, but that make I mean, I can understand why you would have felt that way as a 12-year-old. Well, like yeah, now like whenever I see like Ace Ventura Pet Detective, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's horrible." But like even now looking back and watching Cool Runnings, I was like, you know, Sink is still pretty funny. Right. Oh yeah, oh, that's the thing is I didn't even watch the movie to prepare for this. I read the script and I still <laughs> heard him say the lines so well. And I still laughed. I still laughed at just reading the lines and hearing him say stuff. It was so good. The scene where um, Yul Brynner is trying to fight Junior and Yul Brynner turns on Sanka and you think Sanka is about to get killed, even though Yul Brynner was like five foot seven in the movie. He really wasn't that big. Right. And, um, 
Yul Brynner says, how about I beat your butt? And Senka's immortal line, how about I draw a line down the middle of your head so it looks like a butt? So it looks like a butt. <laughs> it's true. And the, one of the things that makes his lines deliver so well is the accent. Uh-huh. There was a lot of, apparently there was a lot of controversy when they were filming this about the accents that the guys chose to use because they were too strongly Jamaican and Disney execs couldn't understand what they were saying. So this was the note they got. Talk like Sebastian in the little oh mermaid. Gosh. That was their note. Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, let's just let that, let's just let that hang for a second. <laughs> oh man. Mm. Let's talk about John Candy in that movie. Let's do it. Uh, cool Runnings came out in 93. Correct. And Candy died in 90, at the end of 94, I think. Right. So it was about a year. Um, and to be honest, like, he doesn't look good. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, so first of all, you know, this is, I, I have to, I have to ask this. How much did John Candy sweat? During the Jamaican scenes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the um, the colors that we saw as his shirt colors were like several shades darker just from sweat saturation. Like we didn't know he was sweating. It's like, oh, wait, that shirt's yellow. Oh, it looks brown. Like we didn't know. Okay. And listen, this is not like a, uh, you know, this is not like a, like a mean fat joke or anything. Listen, I think it's. Part of being a guy, like I wake up in the morning, I sit up in bed and I stretch and I'm already sweating. Like, yeah, it's, and it's Jamaica. I mean, and that's the, that's one of his lines too. He was like, it's 900 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of John Candy's lines. So you can't blame the guy for sweating. Everyone's sweating. It's just, it seems a little more unfortunate for him. <laughs> I, I, watching it, like I, I tried to pick, I tried to look for things that I, I hadn't noticed before i swear i think he's better in the olympic scenes than he is on the island scenes oh yeah i think you're right you don't think that's part of the character development or you think it's something else that's my question to you is it the character development or is he just friggin' miserable having (laughs) in jamaica (laughs) is he pissed off that he didn't read the script fully and didn't realize that he would have to be filming right. in, you know, 130 degree heat. No, I think that's actually really smart. I think perhaps because I do think that his performance shifts once they get to Canada. <laughs> um, but I always saw that as like he, the, he, these are his guys now. He calls them his guys. Where in the beginning, when Doris comes to him and says, you know, you're looking at your first Jamaican Bob's letter, he basically is like, he starts to come at him and attack him with a pool cue, yep. like oh, with a pool stick. So it's, you know, it's quite, it's quite the shift, but you're, you're right. It could just be because he was hot. Yeah. There's, there's a few scenes where it's like, I don't know this, but it, it just, there's a few scenes where it's like, okay, John Candy's mailing this in just a little bit. <laughs> like, you know, he's not going to do a second take of this. Like he's just plowing through this scene. You know, he's just, he's, he's collecting a paycheck. And then other scenes, like, like anytime they give him like a dramatic line, he's really dialed into that. Agreed. Like his, uh, like his scene in the uh, in the dorm with Doris, where he's talking about like uh, like why he cheated. 
Oh, that see here's the thing about this movie that I noticed when I watched is the um the poignancy of it. Mm-hmm. Like when I watched it when I was 12, I did not realize all of the really progressive ideas of like perfection and class and race and like all of these things that this movie um addresses really beautifully actually that he says to him in yeah in the room you know he's like why did you cheat and he's and john candy says i had to win and he's i wrote down the line he says um a gold medal is a wonderful thing but if you're not enough without it you'll never be enough with it and it's like (laughs) drop the mic baby go ahead john candy like that is really really excellent and he delivered it so beautifully so like, good like if it, like if that had been nick cage or you know or john travolta like they would have given some ham-handed like over-the-top performance but john candy is just so understated and beautiful yeah and that's and very so, authentic totally yeah um, i totally agree yeah okay i gotta okay john candy conspiracy theory here for you a cool runnings conspiracy theory okay Okay, there's one scene in the movie that just struck me as really odd. Like, watching it as an adult, like, it just didn't add up. And so I started thinking about it. And the one scene that didn't make sense was that when John Candy is still on, still in Jamaica, and he goes to the, I guess, Minister of Sport or whatever right. to try to get funding. And he's in the office with the guy by himself. And... uh you know, he's saying, if you could just give us $20,000, blah, 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 whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the, the minister is like, okay, uh, well, maybe, you know, maybe you should practice a little more and then I'll come and see the team. I mean, right. he hasn't, he literally hasn't even seen the bobsled team. And John Candy just sort of loses his mind and is like, no, 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 that's not good enough. These guys are ready, blah, 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 blah. And effectively just burns the bridge right there. Right. And I got to thinking about that. Like, that is so weird. Like, you know, the minister of sport wanting to come and actually watch the bobsled team. That doesn't seem like that's. Yeah, that's not very objectionable. Right. Well, well, wasn't he saying that, that he was going to see them like in maybe in a few years? Like he wasn't looking at it that they were going to go to qualifications in three months. Well, he he didn't he didn't put a time on it. So it's kind of open ended. Um, But here's my here's my thing. You know, John Candy is basically demanding that this guy write him a $20,000 check sight unseen. It's true. This is true. <clears throat> and then he flips out on him when he doesn't do that. So here's my here's my question for you, Kendra. Was John Candy in the role at that point? Was he trying to sabotage the whole thing in the office? In the role. Oh, interesting. Like like he could go back to the guys and be yeah, like, like, sorry, guys. guys. And be like, sorry, guys, it's just not going to work. And then that's be off the that's really interesting. I, you know, it's true because he hadn't gotten to the point where he had bought into these guys enough that that would be unnecessarily believe. It was a little bit of an irrational response based on what we'd seen so far. No, I think that's very interesting. But I'm trying to remember because the way they got the money is that Junior sold his car. Was John Candy okay with that or not okay with it? Because I remember Darice was not okay with it. Well, but I don't remember John Candy putting up a lot of objections when he dumped out that bag of money. P.S. When you're 12 and you watch a man dump out a giant bag of money, that was impressive. Yeah. Did he really get $20,000 for that car, though? That's that's my question. But but before that, like, 
everybody's fundraising for the team. Yeah. John Candy doesn't do anything. Like, he doesn't fundraise. Right. No, you're right. That scene is sticks out a little bit now that you mention it. No, I agree. I agree, because he didn't seem to really care. Yeah, so was he, like, dragging his feet and, like, trying to submarine the whole thing? Like, was he just trying to sabotage it? Maybe that was his internal dialogue. Maybe that was his, like, personal story that the director did not give him. That's uh-huh. just how he was choosing to deliver things. Because it seemed as though the story was very, um, how do I say it? Like, very ma- micromanaged in terms of the tone and how, like, in terms of the um, Disney, what Disney wanted the movie to be. So I don't, I don't think, because they cut out so many things, I don't think that if that was actually part of the storytelling that it would have been quite that subtle, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was John Candy, like, coming up with his own backstory that fed his, you know, line delivery and stuff. I think that's extremely perceptive of you, Matthew. How horrible would this movie be if they released it in 2016? How, mm, I don't know that it would be. Explain to me how you think it would be horrible. (laughs) I think it would be awful if they released it in 2016 because I think everything would be like you, like, I know you said like it was the whole thing was micromanaged. Can you even imagine like the filters and the focus groups that it would have to be run through in 2016? This is true. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I don't think, yeah, I I think the movie itself would have become a skeleton of its 1993 version and it would have been a very sad skeleton indeed. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, because like, he said something like, "I mean, this is a lot. Li- this is a line that would not exist in a Disney PG was it PG <laughs> movie mm-hmm. now when John Candy is in Canada and he's trying to um, and the the Federation or whatever they're called, like the bobsledding Federation, <laughs> the alliance. Yes, the alliance. Like it's so dramatic and dark. Um, the bobsledding alliance like keeps putting in all of these requirements mm-hmm. that exclude the Jamaican team. Like they make the time, the qualifying time shorter, and then the Jamaicans actually get it. And then they do something about the sled or something, and then they like they change all of these things. And John Candy says the following. I didn't realize four black guys in a sled could make you blush. (laughs) Like that was, those words were spoken in a family Disney movie. I mean, more power to you, John Turtletop. That was amazing. But like, I don't think that that would happen right now. I kind of think the other way. Like, I think like if it was 2016, I think literally half the movie would be devoted to racism. It could, it could be. No, you're right. It could be. It could, and actually, originally the movie was supposed to be much more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like that was the whole that was the whole thing, and that's why it didn't get made for so long because yeah. it just didn't have any life to it, and so they like postponed it for a year or two. The I got good, a director and all that. The good thing is we might get Donald Glover as one of the Jamaicans. <laughs> that would, that would be the silver lining. That would be so good. That would be so good. No, but, like, I, I just feel like it would be overproduced and sort of overcooked if it was in 2016. Like, No, I can see that. Like, they would insist on there being, like, a uh, like a strong female lead. Yeah. Like, when it just wouldn't fit, and they'd, they'd shoehorn in a love story somehow, and, um, you know, maybe John Candy would be, I don't know, addicted to pills, or they'd throw in something to just ruin it somehow right it would be very clunky i agree with you i agree with you. however that being said i need to pitch 
an idea to you. Don't you think we could get a Coach Blitzer standalone origin story made? It depends on who plays him. <laughs> okay, well, let me let me give you the premise, and then you can cast it. This guy is okay. on the island for twenty years. Yeah. Before the events of Cool Runnings, could we not get a movie set like somewhere in that twenty-year period? Because he's a bookie, you you can sort of assume that he's got contacts with the underworld of Jamaica, with the organized crime scene, and right. he's running around with Teresa's father, who we don't know how he died. Right. Maybe maybe uh, Coach Blitzer was there, uh, you know, when when Teresa's father died somehow. Right. Um, so we've got sort of a gritty prequel centering on uh, is Irv Irv Blitzer. Is that his Irv name? Blitzer. Yep. Irv I'm thinking Blitzer. Russell Crowe. So, yeah. <laughs> because he can play like kind of like dumpy, sad, overweight man who is you know addicted to gambling and hides in dark bars. I like. But that. he also was like Maximus in Gladiator. Like we, if they do flashback scenes to when he was on the bobsled team and he's covered in spandex, yes, please. Like he can do both of those things. <laughs> Just like, saying. I like Russell Crowe. I'm afraid we're gonna. I'm afraid they're gonna give us Jonah Hill though. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on how early in the 20 years you go. Like I was thinking, yeah. I can I can see what you're saying, but I need a I need a later in the twenty years so that I can get, yeah. Although Jonah Hill, did you see him in Moneyball? He was really good in Moneyball. He was he was really subtle and really good in Moneyball. Uh, I was, was surprised. The, um, the Coen Brothers movie that just came out last year, he was in that too. I saw him in that. He was okay. Yeah. Um, well, Hail um, Caesar. Yeah, I saw him I in wanna, Caesar. I want to make sure before we end because we're coming up on the end here that I tell you the part that made me cry the hardest when I was reading the script last night. Okay. Go for it. And that is when Yul Brenner is, which, you know, yes, his name is Yul Brenner. Um, when he is talking about why he is trying to get off the Island and he says, and I'm going to live right there and he points to a picture he's got in like his wallet or something and it's a buckingham palace Mm -hmm. and sanka makes fun of him so hard he's like (laughs) you can marry the queen like do you not know that's buckingham palace and junior so kindly and remember yule hates junior junior was the one who destroyed yule's chances of going to the olympics as a sprinter And Junior, like, really kindly and gently is like, that's where the Queen of England lives. And he says, and as everybody's making fun, <laughs> I'm going to cry talking about it. As everybody's making fun of Yule for thinking he's going to live in Buckingham Palace, Junior kind of goes on this really kind rant about, like, we need people like Yule who have dreams and who believe in things and, you know, that work hard and all that. And he looks at him and he goes, go ahead, Yule Brenner. Go get your palace. <laughs> uh, you, you left out the important part is he pit Yulbrenner crumples up the picture and throws it away. That's right. He picks it up and, and he, puts it and spreads it out flat in front of him. The symbolism there is, is Junior oh picks, up his, picks up his dream and smooths it out for him. And, and their whole thing, the entire movie, is every time Junior does something kind of cool to them, like brings the month, like joins the team, pays for them to go, like all these things. And Yul says... This doesn't mean that I like you. 
And at the end, he says that as they're hugging when they cross the finish line with their broken sled, they walk it to the end. And he's like, this doesn't mean that I like you. And I'm like, they're best friends forever. They're going to be at each other's weddings. I love them so much. Like, it's so beautiful. Junior and Yule. It's Junior and Yule, everybody. Hey, we didn't even talk about the ending. Like, yeah. How great is the ending as so, far as chill scenes? So great so great they're on the verge of winning a medal they go from bottom to top and they're on the verge of winning a bobsledding medal and then their old sled that they bought when they got to canada they actually went to the olympics without a bobsled mm-hmm. it came apart a screw came off or something and they crashed but then they got out and they said we've got to finish it takes and you then to they're, an existential place that you didn't oh. expect to go Oh my word, it's so good. Because that's, I mean, Disney movies end like they win, they won a medal, woohoo! Like, yeah. you know, it's so predictable. And this did not end the way we thought, but it united everyone so much. And then didn't somebody say to them, like, we'll see you in four years, Jamaica? You know, it was like, oh, this story is not over, people. The story is not over. <laughs> yeah, the part that always got me was like when they're carrying the sled and then you see Junior's dad clapping. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, Junior's dad, like, he pulls he his coat open. He opens his shirt, right. And, and he's, he's got a Jamaican, the, the Go Jamaica shirt or whatever that everyone started wearing. I mean, seriously. And this, this is movie. Like right after the East Germans start the slow clap. Right. Oh, my gosh. This, I mean, this should, I don't know why, did, why did this not win an Oscar? Like, this movie should have won an Oscar. I don't know. It was amazing. Like, my big question coming away from it, like, was why Dougie Doug, who was Sanka in the movie, why he was not a major star. It's true. And nobody in that movie became a major star, except for the East German guy. Like, he's been a character actor in a few things. I recognize him. I don't know from what. Yul Brynner but I was on Arrested Development a couple times. Oh, that's right. He was, um, what was Ice. his name? He was a character. Ice, that's right. He was a, a, not a character, a caterer <laughs> slash hitman. Uh, he was a caterer slash bounty hunter. <laughs> Bounty Hunter, right, right, that's right. That's that is my second favorite comedy of all time. Oh yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, Sanka. Like I looked up his IMDb because I was really confused. Of like, I I just needed to know, like, you know, why did this guy? He was on the Cosby reboot like a few years later when mm. they rebooted Cosby. Um, right. So that was probably like one of the things he was known for, but. Um, I think he just got saddled with some bad movies after that because they put yeah. him in uh, Operation Dumbo Drop. Oh, golly. Which was okay. Like, I remember being amused by it when I was a kid, but, like, it wasn't a big movie. I mean, and, even when I was a kid, I was like, this is stupid. And like, uh, this premise is so stupid. I think his breakout was supposed to be Disney had this big plan for him that they were going to put him with Christina Ricci in that movie, That Darn Cat. Oh right! And that was like he was like the leading guy in that movie, and uh, it, that was just completely tanked. Like that movie was just a disaster. I think. Well, nobody can have chemistry with teenage Christina Ricci like Devin Sawa did and Casper. So <laughs> Dougie Doug was like up against a wall on that one. Like you can't you can't fight that tension. Oh my goodness. <sighs> oh man. Ken Rodachi, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the deep dive on Cool Runnings. This was so fun. This was so fun. This makes me wish that, um, like, I kind of want to relive the first time I saw this movie and go back and tell my 12-year-old self, like, you have no idea. 
you have no idea how long-lasting this thing is going to be. So soak up this experience because you will never get this again. All day. Oop, I just heard a baby right on cue. All righty. All right. Thanks for coming on. All right. Bye, Matthew. See you.